Last week, Alex and I started the discussion of what is Christian love and is the church guilty of not showing love amongst the believers and amongst, you know, those who come to the church. And so today we conclude what is Christian love and is the church really failing to show the love that Jesus told us to share? Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch podcast with our hosts, Avon and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Paradigmers. We are back to another episode of The Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth and heaven's favorite podcasters. I'm one of your co-hosts, Avon. I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And I was about to introduce myself as Alex. I had to, <laughs> I had to focus on that. It's because I was looking at you as I was um, saying it. <laughs> I almost introduced myself as you. But Alex, I am in such a great mood because I am on my Thanksgiving vacation. I have long been waiting to be on my Thanksgiving vacation. I know Thanksgiving is next week, but I am just excited that I am now on vacation. I don't got to think about work. And if the audience member doesn't know, I work the overnight shift. So now I am back on a regular time clock schedule. So I'm sleeping at night and waking up in the morning like a normal person. <laughs> well, I'm really happy that you get this time off before the holiday. It's amazing. Uh, unfortunately, being in leadership, we don't really get time <laughs> off. So uh, our team members get time off, but we uh, really can't afford to take time off. That's interesting because my bosses be off all the time. Well, I, I don't know. I, I find that it's very hard to take time. Maybe this is just me personally. Mm -hmm. Maybe other managers don't have the kind of str struggle that I have taking mm -hmm. off. But I, th I think the problem, at least where I am right now, is like two of the senior members are going to be out uh, soon. And so then there's nobody left but me. So I don't think this is a good time for me to be taking off. But I, I think certainly... I do need to use my vacation time before the end of the year because it does not roll over. So I have to figure that out. Um, well, that's the worst. Do they, do, they, do they at least pay you out? Some jobs do that. No, no, no. They don't do that anymore. Oh. They, they, did, they didn't do that. So maybe what I need to do is next week, maybe take off the Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving or, or maybe... I have a big customer call that day. Maybe <laughs> I'll just do it. Maybe I will show up for that and then take off the rest of the day. Alex is going to be working. I have a feeling he's going to be working. You know what? I have always refused <laughs> since my first year of working full-time since graduating. I have refused to ever work that Wednesday before Thanksgiving because I was stuck in traffic for three and a half hours trying to get home. And especially where we live in this metropolitan area, it is so congested. And, you know, everyone's trying to get off that Wednesday early because they're trying to get, you know, on the road so they can be where they need to be for Thanksgiving. So I have learned definitely taking off that Wednesday. You know, I don't work anywhere. Um, you know, I work remotely, but I have just always since working full time have been like, nope, never going into work, never working on that Wednesday, just relaxing. So... 
the audience can't see me, but I'm curling my lip at the thought of dealing with the traffic to go home <laughs> on that day. Ah, so, uh, see, see right good. there. That's why you got to take off. That's why you got to take off. See, but maybe just work from home, maybe work remote. I don't know. I'll think about it. But uh, while you think about it, I'll be enjoying myself watching movies and television in my pajamas, living the good life. So that's all I got to say. Don't be jealous completely. Don't be jealous completely. But we got to get into our topic today because last time we ran out of time because we were talking about what is Christian love and essentially asking the question, is the church failing to walk in love and show love? Because that's the main accusation that people who left the faith in more of the Western world of the U.S., they left the faith you know, claiming that they didn't feel welcomed and they didn't feel like they were loved and accepted there. So we were calling the question of like, what is Christian love? How can you really define what love is? And the main criticism in that of saying like they felt judged and they didn't feel welcomed is, well, the church does have to correct wrong behavior. We use the Bible as our guiding light and the truth that God has given us. And sometimes the actions that we are doing are not in sync with what God has said. So the person, man or woman of God, that's on the pulpit, different leadership, or even just amongst the brethren, um, have a responsibility to hold each other accountable and say when something isn't, like something we're doing isn't right and hold them accountable to that. It's not that we're making you feel unwelcomed and it's not that we're trying to be mean and judgmental, is that we're trying to hold up the banner and the banner and the standard that God has given us and maintain order. Right. So I think that last time on this show, we mentioned that this uh, comes out of Hebrews 12, verse 5 through 7, which says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you were reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So uh, this is why we are talking about it this way, and that the Lord disciplines those who he loves. He corrects those who he loves so they do not end up in, in bad circumstances. And also, just to recap, by the way, because I think we should do this, is our definition of love, our working definition of love, we are taking out of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, where Paul writes in verses 4 through 7 about the different character, uh, characteristics those who love display towards others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think maybe we just can read through this very quickly. Uh, love endures with patience and serenity. It is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. It does not brag and it's not proud or arrogant. It is not rude nor self-seeking. It is not provoked to anger easily. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices when with the truth. And it bears all things, believes all things, and hopes for all things and endures all things. So that is our working definition of love. Now, going back to uh, about loving correction uh, and people saying that this is judgment. At the conclusion of the last show, I stated that I think what we need to do maybe a little better is we need to explain why it is these things mm -hmm. are not good for that person and not just speak out because some people do, they take things personally maybe they take things they should not personally but they mm -hmm. do it anyways and so then we have to you know maybe explain the reasoning behind some of these things like when we say don't do x don't do y you know you should or, or rather maybe it's you shouldn't do x or you shouldn't do y which to some people sounds more judgmental and more of an attack on that person's character what have you uh, you know uh, 
is it is it you know, have a discussion about how do we have a tone how how should we talk to people how should we you know should we be blunt and say you shouldn't do this or maybe be more along the lines of have you ever thought that maybe it's not a, a good idea to do this because of blah 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 yeah you know what that's but, a good point that you brought up on the sense of like how the church is supposed to um, correct people and stuff. And I think back in the day, maybe our parents' generation or maybe our grandparents' generation was probably the ending of that just blindly following whoever is in charge of you. Just saying, like, when the person in charge just says, do this, where you the followers just blindly follow. You know, this, especially our generation, is more of a generation of wanting to know why. And I think because we have the... Um, ability to research such as Google and we have all this kind of information around us. So we want to know the reasoning why we should do something. And so we kind of do question authority a little bit more. I don't know if it's because some authority figures who were up in power have been shown to be shady. And so there is kind of a distrust there, but um, I do think that is, a, I, I do think that's a good point in the sense that the church needs to adjust in saying like, no, don't, you know, you know, just saying from the pulpit, don't have premarital sex and then moving on. Like you need to explain to a person like the reason why. And, you know, even on that topic of premarital sex, you know, I was always just told don't do it because, you know, it's a sin and, you know, God doesn't approve of it. But as I've walked in my own spiritual journey, I finally learned and understood things a lot more in depth about it in the sense of like, our bodies are like the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so we're supposed to keep it pure, as pure, you know, pure and um, respected as possible, and take care of it. And so that actually energizes me and gives me like, um, like a spark or a pep in my step to actually do better and taking care of my physical body. And you know, just you know, it it makes me understand that commandment a little bit more to walk in it. You know, I grew up hearing, "Don't do this because it's wrong." And, you know, that's great. Unfortunately, I think for people, especially younger people, they're more inquisitive. There's, uh, you know, the internet is what it is, and people are more uh, finding more avenues of temptation these days, sadly. Um, and I think that the, the, the overall importance should probably be emphasized more uh, than it is now. And instead of just saying, don't do this because it's bad, like you said, our generation more likely to ask, well, why is this bad? And, you know, we are told to have a defense of why we believe the way we do. Yeah. So I think that that is uh, something that we need to think about. But you know what, uh, going back one step about the younger generation versus the older generation, even I have to tell you, I do think our older generation, the older generations, I think that they had a harder time just generally speaking. Okay. I mean, you had the depression in the World War II, you had the Korean War, Vietnam, the Cold War, you had the counterculture, at least in the United States in the 60s, you had um, the malaise of the 70s, so really bad economic circumstances, there was like gas rationing and everything. And then you know, the 80s rolled around and things became a lot better. And so our generation, uh, I feel like, Unless you've served overseas in the war of Afghanistan and, and Iraq, you know, in general, at least in, in my circle, most people had it easier growing up than their parents' generation did. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of yeah. of uh, in terms of like materialistic things, I mean, not not everybody, of course, but a lot of them. 
And I do think that, you know, there's a, there's a saying that goes hard times breed hard men and easy times breed squishy men. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe our generation is a little bit more uh, able to be a little, a little more squishy. I don't know if that's the right word. Well, with you saying that, that's actually a good point that you're bringing up because that's actually what's going to be my next question in the sense of, you know, we're talking about, you know, is the church really walking in love or failing to walk in love? And that's one of the accusations. So we were saying that, you know, judgment, you know, they try to say like from us, quote unquote, casting judgment or saying like correcting them, you know, that some of their actions might be wrong. Is it actually possible that, you know, this generation is just really sensitive? Like you were just saying, this generation may be just, you know, really sensitive that they can't take correction oh, because they're too sensitive. So would you say today's society overall, uh, people are sensitive? Oh, uh, yeah, without a doubt. I think our generation <laughs> is very sensitive. I mean, this is the generation that got a participation trophy for oh, losing every game in football. Like, I, my team one year lost every game and I got a trophy anyways. Like I was, <laughs> I was rewarded for bad performance. So <laughs> I do think that there is uh, sensitivity. And I think there may, I even think there's a, just a general sense of entitlement. And, and you know what, Aven, this is why um, the, the current economic uh, circumstances we have, because I, it's not looking very good. Mm -hmm. I do wonder is our generation going to become tougher through this? Are, are we going to tough times breed tough men? Are we going to be able to absorb this? Um, a pandemic, the COVID pandemic, for example, I mean, look at that. That was a, a, that was something I never thought I would experience in my lifetime, a very, very tough circumstance. And, you know, I would argue some people are able to tough it out, but look at the increase in the drug abuse, the alcoholism, the mental illness rates and suicide rates in our generation. You tell me whether you think that we're going to be able to successfully tough things out or not as a generation. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just know when it comes to church and when people receive corrections, they get easily offended. They want to leave. Yeah. They quit. They tap out. It's like if something, if one thing goes wrong, and you know, we we told last last week talking about the reason, like the top five reasons people leave the church, and something that was combined in that was saying that they had a bad experience. Well, you know, I had a bad experience at work too. I didn't quit the workforce. <laughs> I've had several yeah. bad experiences at the workforce. I have bad experiences at the gym before. I've gotten into arguments with people at the gym. I haven't quit going to the gym. But there's just like this, like can't tough it outness or um, a non-resilientness when it comes to being in church and keeping the faith where, okay, one Christian gave me the side eye. And so now I'm out of here and everything like that. And, you know, there's one thing I do want to say, and, you know, this main accusation is that the Western church or Western Christians are not walking in love. And there's something that we also need to point out, you know, about the Western world, because, you know, in college, I studied a lot about like communication and understanding different like cultures and stuff like that. So something about the Western world is to understand that we in the U.S., Canada, kind of like this Western area are very individualistic, as they would term it. And in how we live, we live about ourselves. We live about what we want, what we think, how we feel. It's all about us. Where more in these other countries have a more collective mindset that my actions are important because they affect everyone else around us. That my actions and what I do affect everyone surrounding me and my family's name and everything like that. So I think because 
of us being in the Western world, we have this mindset of it being about us that when we receive correction, we take great offense because we're like, I don't want to be told we don't, I don't want to be told I can't do something because it's all about me. We don't have a mindset that says like, let me be corrected for the overall, you know, the overall sake of the church or the overall sake of, you know, you know, not you know, letting sin come in like the Achan in the Bible and with the children of Israel. He let his actions affect overall the camp of Israel and they lost that war. His actions <laughs> actually had the people of the children of Israel lose. And so they had to correct him so that the overall people could continue walking in righteousness. So I think in the U.S. we have this culture of individualistic of being individualistic in the sense that we always want to be about ourselves and it's always about us and pertaining to our feelings and what we've won. And we're so touchy and feely and sensitive. So that's more a culture of selfishness to me than it is a culture of individualism, but I take your point. And again, this is where I think, you know, as, as the church, we, in the United States, we have to understand we've got to communicate better. If, if people are going to be like that and we're about, helping people and serving the community you know we have to we have got to approach them in a way that is gonna be less in your face perhaps but Mm -hmm. not shying away from truth do not shy away from truth and this is what is happening in america's churches today they a lot of them shy away from truth because They 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 do they will they will completely change the message of scripture or they will present partial pieces of scripture, which overall does a very bad disservice to the individuals you're trying to reach, because that's like withholding the truth from them. In other words, lying by omission, and that is very sinful. So we can't do that. Instead, I think like uh, we talked about, you know, instead of saying you are doing this, you are wrong, it may be more effective if we say, have you ever thought that this kind of behavior leads to this? And that's why this is concerning, is that we see that this is happening in your life, and we're concerned that it may lead here, and that's why we're talking to you about this now. Because I think that sounds much less confrontational, much much less judgmental. It sounds like it comes from a place of concern, and then it sounds more like we do really care about you instead of being, quote, judgmental. And, And I do think the communication style is important here. No, I agree. And I like that you brought up this point of don't shy away from truth and calling things for what they were so that there isn't chaos happening in the church, which I can honestly say is happening in the Western U.S. church is that it is just, it is total chaos. And, you know, I was going to bring this up at the end, and I feel like this is an important part to bring up now. You know, the Bible says that God is love. So we are already establishing that God is love. He walks in love and everything like that. But at the same time, God is a God of order. And, you know, um, there's a scripture. God God is a God of righteousness is a better way of putting this, I think. Well, yeah, well, the the, the versions I've always read it is that God is a God of order. But um, so Mm -hmm. the scripture I'm bringing up from this is from 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And it says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So that's where I get that scripture from. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. So, so, the, so the, re, the, the reason I'm, I mentioned that for the sake of the church's defense, for the people to understand that when things are getting out of order, you know, you know, out of whack, God, you know, God wants things to be put back on order. And the, the point I'm trying to bring up is from Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. 
You remember that story? I do. So this is a situation where you got two people who are coming inside, you know, in the beginning stages of the church, and they come up with a plan to lie. They come up with a plan to lie to the apostles about how much money they sold for a piece of property. And they end up at the end dropping dead, you know, for their, for lying and stuff. And you know, on the surface levels, this might, you know, be kind of like, wow, that's harsh. And, you know, why would God do that? And this, this, and that. Well, you know, it came to me. The reason why God had to do that was to establish order. He had to make sure that the church knew that this such behavior could not run rampant in his church so that order or disorder would not be in his household. Could you imagine the repercussions that could have happened of letting that slide by if they weren't called on the carpet for that? Yeah, well, so I think in the last week you mentioned where is the balance between mercy and judgment? Well, there, those two people, <laughs> they were not even they were not they were not remorseful they were lying they didn't they didn't care about it at all not at they all they lied to peter peter's face they lied to him and so i think this is why they fell dead um because god could tell these people are not really of me they are they're wicked yeah and they don't care um and actually i think yeah, peter even he says you know satan's filled your heart Right. So maybe there's even demonic stuff going on there. So uh, that's, I think, why that happened. But, you know, I, I do think if they had been remorseful, uh, like the criminal on the cross, uh, then maybe this would have had a different ending. Yeah. And so the point I want to bring up, I think almost certainly, I think this would have had a different ending. Exactly. And the point I want to bring up is they were trying to bring disorder to God's house. They were trying to bring in a sin and say, like, lying was acceptable and that they can get over on God. And, you know, that had to be corrected. God could not allow that. God could not allow that to run rampant. Thankfully, God is not in the business of just, you know, you know, taking people out of here like that. Um, I can only imagine the lawsuits that would happen in today's churches if that was happening. (laughs) But thankfully, you know, but I think the lesson here was that, you know, and it also says that there was a great fear that came upon the church after this incident. So what this let people know is that they can't just be doing anything they want in God's house, that there is an order and that there are rules that you have to follow. And so goes back to to the point we make often on this show, the kingdom of heaven is a monarchy and we're expected if we're going to integrate from the world of of the dark to the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of darkness, rather to the kingdom of heaven. You know, we have to follow the the laws and the regulations of wherever we're immigrating to. I mean, it's just like if you go. Uh, you know, even I was watching, there's these like documentaries on border crossings Yeah. and I was watching the United States, Canada, the, the Canadian, the show focused on the Canadian border crossing just today, there was this woman who tried to bring, uh, drugs into Canada and in the United States, she had a legal prescription for these drugs, but in Canada it's illegal oh. and she was trying to immigrate to Canada and she broke the rules. So they arrested her. And it's it's kind of like when we're trying to go to heaven, like you said, you know, we have to follow the, the laws that God lays down, that, that that's his country that we're trying to immigrate to and become citizens of. So 
you know, we can't keep continuing to follow the laws of our old land in a new place. That doesn't make sense. That's not how it works. Oh, that's a good point. You can't bring in your old... <laughs> I mean, that was fine. As the Bible said, that was fine in the kingdom of darkness, but you're trying to be in the kingdom of here's this son. Hey, that's illegal over here. You can't do that over here. But people are trying to be like, well, I want to make it legal. And God's like, you'll soon be out of here before that gets legal. Like, <laughs> before that gets legalized, you'll be out of here before that even becomes a thought. So, but I just really wanted to address the whole thing about correction. And it's not that people are judging you or it actually is love to show correction. And, you know, Alex and I have known each other for, oh my gosh, like over 10 years. And so like, you know, there's been a lot of 12 and a half years now. What is it? 12? 12 and a half. Oh yeah. So between that time, us being both brothers in Christ, we've had to correct each other and have those hard conversations and stuff. And even though it might have been something I wanted to hear, but I always knew it was coming from a place of love of trying to push me to the next level or, you know, to make sure I didn't get out of line and stuff, especially like that one time when he called me out because I was talking to some girl that was not a believer and he had to break my heart and say, you got to stay away from her. I didn't want to hear it, but he had to call me out on it and be like, don't you're falling to a trap. Don't do it. <laughs> don't be unequally yoked. Yeah. I didn't want to hear it, but, but you know, another aspect I wanted to bring up, you know, we're talking about is the church failing, um, walking in love. And, you know, one aspect I do think that the church is lacking in walking in love is amongst each other, amongst the brethren in the faith. I feel like there's a lack of love amongst the body of Christ. You know, there's so much division, um, of denominations amongst us, you know, the devil has done a good job in causing division within the church. And, you know, nobody wants to join or be involved in some organization or whatever that seems fragmented, that seems divided and kind of like in chaos all over the place. And, you know, this sounds kind of harsh, but I remember a documentary I saw on the growing movement of Satism. And you know what? They were actually very unified. They're on one accord. And they have, they're in contact with other people who, who are of the same mind in like Europe. And, you know, they're talking to one another and planning things out for the next year and stuff like that. Sadly, the church is not in one unified movement to be like that, to be like, what's the objective of the church next year? Like that we're not unified and there's no, and you know, you know, unity, love, there is, um, unity is a characteristic of love. And so there, we're so divided amongst one another that I do think that we are failing in that area of love amongst each other. Yeah, I mean, there is certainly uh, a lot of denominational differences that have caused strife. Uh, certainly, it was quite a, I would argue, quite a bit worse in the past. You know, you would have the the, the strife between different denominations lead to violence and killings. Yeah. Um, and in some places in the world, and yeah, I mean, this is certainly that we should never do because at the end of the day, we are trying to serve the same God, right? Mm -hmm. You know, whether we're Catholic, whether we're Protestant, whether we're Orthodox, we are uh, hopefully trying to serve God the best way we can. And, and being at each other's throats, uh, I think it's been, it, it's not great. I mean, you know, I think I've talked on the show, I, I know somebody who changed denominations and that, uh, you know, caused some strife. Uh, between us and so unfortunately and I don't think it should be that way and you know as time has got on I've I've met other people who who are part of that denomination and they they do they do love the Lord as much as I do and mm -hmm. you know I I think there are some uh, doctrinal differences between us but you know I don't think that that should mean that necessarily that they are enemies I, I no I mean I don't think so at all. Now, I will say, though, even unfortunately, 
the reason there can be some division amongst us is because there are some denominations that have embraced sinfulness. That's true. Caved culture. And in that case, unfortunately, uh, that has to be discussed. Yeah. I mean, there's one denomination I think we discussed in one of our Halloween episodes that talked about there is a new denomination growing where there's actually a mixing of Christian and witchcraft. I think it was like something saying yeah. like Christian witches or something, which Christian, is not, Christian which is, witches, which yeah, is an no, oxymoron. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I don't understand how that works, but like, yeah, there's a growing movement. You know, that is true. There are some, um, some sex or whatever that is absolutely totally against the, the goals and what the Bible says of which should not be included in the fold and stuff like that. But you know, a scripture that came to me um, was John 13, 34, and I'll read it. And it says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And usually this scripture is typically used when people want to talk about, you know, like witnessing to like unbelievers and how we should relate to them. And I believe, you know, that could be one interpretation of it. But one thing that came to me, you know, when we were preparing for this episode is, you know, I want to kind of maybe look at it in a different way. You know, I believe... Jesus was talking of talking about a strong love that is supposed to be within the body of believers. Cause you know, he was talking to his disciples and he was telling them, you know, love one another that John, you have Peter's back, Peter, you have Andrew's back. Y'all have each other's back. And so by this, people will know that you're my disciples seeing that love that y'all share from one another and have each other's back, which would grow from just being the 11 disciples. Cause you know, Judas killed himself going from the 11 disciples and then which would grow to be the body of Christ, the church, you know, that people on the outside would see the love that ha- that they have for one another um, and have each other's back and stuff like that. And that would draw in other people because they would see, man, within the church, they really take care of their own. You know, they have each other's back and because, you know, the world doesn't care about you. You know, it's a really lonely and like darkly dark place when you are outside the fold of Christ. When you're not in Christ, I don't know how people can do it. You're outside of Christ and the world is a lonely place. You know, you have to take care of yourself. You're on your own. It can be very depressing if you let the things of the news and the media really get to you. The circumstances of life can be really heavy and all those kind of things. And so... I believe Jesus was trying to emphasize saying like, yo, y'all have each other's back in, in the body of Christ. And that's really going to draw people because they, because people want love. People want to feel a belonging. People want to feel like someone else is out there that will have their back and stuff like that. And, you know, I think if the church would show that kind of love in the sense of like, yo, I see my brother Kevin over here is struggling in bills. And so the church, be, you know, comes together, be like, oh, brother, we're not going to let you fall and slip. We're going to make sure like we have your back to like keep your house and that your family is taken care of. Oh, you're, you know, your mother's doing, you know, sick and whatever. The church has your back and that kind of love that's, you know, shown and taking care of one another. I think that's one aspect that Jesus was trying to emphasize to his disciples, because believe it or not, the disciples had some um, tensions amongst each other. There was some strife between them because they were totally different people in everything. And I think people think just because they were with Jesus, there was no infighting. I'm pretty sure, um, I already know, Peter and John probably didn't get along because Peter was very straightforward, like on the, like just ran like quick, just jump quick. And John seemed like a much more sensitive person. And so I can already tell there was probably some issues between the both of them. But Jesus was emphasized in the midst of that, y'all have each other's back. And I think that's really not emphasized a whole lot as brothers and sisters to have each other's back and stuff like that. You know, I mean, 
It is interesting. Certainly the disciples did have tension and there was, there's one passage of scripture where they're like, Jesus, Jesus, who's your most loyal disciple. Yeah, yeah. And then they go back and forth about that. So it, it does happen. But, um, you know, Eamon, it just strike me. I do think churches do do this. Mm-hmm. I, I think they do, but they don't necessarily broadcast that because you know, that's kind of prideful almost. If you're saying, Oh, we do this, we do that. We do this other thing. Uh, to help people. And I don't, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're supposed to brag like that as a, as a believer, but maybe, maybe it does once per year or something. Like I know at my church, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the pastor in lieu of a message, instead he will say, you know, we're grateful for everything we've been blessed with. And, and here is what we're doing with all of the generosity that you have, have given unto us. And then he goes through a list of ministries. I, I mean, some of them I didn't even know were happening. And, and mm-hmm. you mentioned, I think in your example, you know, helping a person pay the bills because they fell behind. I know that my church does this. Uh, my church does funds construction projects to improve the quality of housing for people. Um I know that we do a lot of the the food drives and everything. So uh, and and help uh, around the community, which became especially a higher rate of this during COVID when international um, travel kind of lagged, of course, because of lockdowns and everything. But so maybe maybe there is a balance here. Maybe it is worth a church is telling their congregation, this is how we're helping people. Yeah. I maybe mean, that, I, maybe, maybe it doesn't happen enough, but I, I do think churches are helping people. No, I know that they help each other. I think I'm thinking of this in a grander scheme. Like, why is it the church in one city not in communication with a church in another city? Like, like the unity thing, like I'm speaking to, like in a grander scheme, because I know in our church, we help each other out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we would do food, food donations and all that stuff as well. I don't know. I'm just looking at it in a grander scheme of like, you know, because I know I'll speak for me, because like when I go to the gym and stuff, you know, I found another believer in there that is, you know, that was there and everything. So even though him and I don't currently go to the same church you know, church building, we still belong to the church. You know, we still belong to the body of Christ and everything. I have his back and stuff like that. That kind of love, where it's like not just in the building, but like shown outside, like, oh, those those Christians, whenever they're like linked up, they always got each other's back and stuff like that. And then like the church down the road isn't connected with this church. I just think, you know, I think it just speaks more to the unity thing of just like us, one another being in connection and just having each other's back. I know when I run into another Christian, it makes me excited. Like, oh yes, like another person to have my back. And sometimes I've been disappointed when they don't and stuff like that. And they actually show me more rejection than a worldly person and stuff. But um, I do think if the church would focus more on loving one another in a grander scheme and stuff like that, not that other, not that churches aren't doing it, but I think if we really focus in on that, it will draw people in like crazy. Cause you know, People are looking for love. People are looking for a place to feel accepted in this, this, and that. Yeah, no, that's that's true. They they definitely are, and I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. So, but um, our time is see the time already slipped by once again. But you know, the question of is the church walking in love? I believe some churches are. I think most churches are striving to do so. I think people need to understand that you know what people are people, and sometimes they won't always be 100% right in how they do stuff. You know, you know, if someone maybe does something to hurt your feelings, don't be too sensitive. Use the characteristic of forgiveness 
And don't throw down your faith over one person not showing you love or not doing what you think is right. And if you receive correction, don't take it personally. That's actually a sign of love that a person's trying to help you out and is trying to get you back in line, as Alex said, into legal right standing with the country, with the kingdom of God. Yeah. You want to be in right standing with the king. So I personally do think the church walks in love, you know, and I, you know, I say, I think I say this with a little bit more of a, I wouldn't say attitude, but just as like a person whose parents work in the church and just seeing how much goes into it and just knowing what goes on behind the scene and stuff like that. Sometimes when I hear that kind of accusation, I, you know, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Cause it's just like, you just don't even know um, all that goes behind and all that kind of stuff that, you know, the church is actually walking in love and there's a lot that goes into it that you don't see. And just because one thing didn't maybe didn't go your way, it's kind of a harsh thing just to draw, throw down your faith over one little incident. We hope everyone um, enjoyed listening to our discussion, whether the church is walking love and what is real Christian love. I think everyone's really striving to walk in love. Um, I'm personally working on it to get better. Maybe one day, you know, Alex, I'm going to be totally a patient person. One day, you know, I want to <laughs> totally walk in patience and just walk in that characteristics. But right now, you know... My way of loving is, you know, I, you know, I'm loyal. I'm there with you through the ups and downs. And, you know, I got your back. You know, I, you know, hold to my commitments when I promise you something. That's kind of my, you know, best characteristics and showing in love and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm very straightforward. You know, you will not have to worry about me lying to you or beating around the bush or some omission of truth. I'm going to give it to you straightforward. So that's the way I show love the best. So if you want patience, come to me. Yeah, go to Alex for patience. He's gonna he's gonna do those baby steps with you. But I hope our audience enjoyed listening to the Paradigm Switch. We will be back next week with another episode. So stay tuned for these announcements. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about the Paradigm Switch, too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow the Paradigm Switch podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.